Merci beaucoup. And welcome back to the greatest segment in podcasting history. It's time for the Wrestling Roundtable with me, Chapeau. This segment is brought to you by Le Wrestling Show Studios. I'm here with the infamous Hoagie Hogani. Hey, thanks for having me, Chapeau. I really appreciate being here. Now, Hoagie is out here early because of that seminar currently being held by our good friend of the show, Mike Rowe. Now, Mike Rowe is running long on his seminars, so Long Jinza and Cootie Roots will be rescheduled for another day. But of course, I understand you, Hoagie Ogani, was also to attend that very Mike Rowe seminar. You know, I would have been at that very seminar as well, Chapeau. The one thing that kept me from being at that very seminar, well, that very important seminar, is, uh, why I can't believe it. It just so happens to be all reliable himself. Exactly, Blue! You can't be talking about your pride and joy, aren't you? That one piece of German technology you, you so dearly treasure. So, Hoagie Hogani, now that you officially know that maybe it's time to upgrade your alarm clock to something more modern, something to look after the, uh, I don't know, the uh, daylight savings times, you know, the change of times, they would have made a lot of difference, you know. You know, you bring up a good point there, uh, Chapeau. But you'd also be a fool if you believe I'm going to get rid of my classic analog wind-up dual-toned chime with four custom alarm clock settings, of course. You don't just throw away a Westlinburger uh, Klokschnikov. Those things are with you for life. You know, don't tell anyone, but uh, that clock of mine, well, it used to be someone else's. It used to be owned by uh, a certain uh, Kokomo beach chair. Well, that's just fantastic news, Hoagie. But now it's time to bring in our next guest. Please put your hands together and give a warm welcome to... Wait! Wait a second there, Chapeau. Why are you bringing on the next guest? I thought we were going to have an interview here. And a wonderful interview it was. Ladies and gentlemen, another warm hand for our fabulous Hoagie Hogani. And now... Our next guest is someone we have been waiting for on the Wrestling Roundtable for as long as I can remember. Even though this man has never won any WWF championship titles of any kind, this man has a heart of gold and so many adoring fans like us at the Wrestling Show Roundtable. From way across the pond, straight from the Caribbean Islands, Please put your hands together for a very special guest. Please welcome Kokomo Beach Chair. Wait, 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 what? What are you saying, Chapeau? It can't be. Wobo, Wobo, welcome to a wrestling show listener, 
I'm your very fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is our most cynical recap of a week of wrestling focusing on the WWE Universe. Tonight, we cover the week of March the 27th to March 31st, where we take a look at the big three. That's right, Monday Night Raw, NXT, and Friday Night Smackdown, and in that very particular order, listener. And that's uh, Monday night and Friday night. It is the road to WrestleMania. NXT, it's the road to uh, stand and deliver. Now, all that's left to say is Shabalabado. It's time to start a wrestling show. So if you will please sing that wonderful song uh, and let's go. And a one, and a two. And a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us. All the wrestling show. All the wrestling show. All the wrestling show. Oh, baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Footprint Stadium in Phoenix, Arizona. It's Monday Night Raw, air date March 27th, 2023. This episode is the road to Wrestlemania. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome to season five of a wrestling show, listener. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and tonight we're going to start off our podcast off with a very cynical review slash a look back at the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. But... Before we get into the meat of the show, first, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. That's right, they are the foundation of the show, you know. Now, representing the authority figure. That's right, it's the authority figure. It's Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews, and that means all of them, and all the backstage interviews as well. They're their team. But mostly, carrying all the load is Kathy Kelly. Backing her up every now and then is Byron Saxton. And last, but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew. It's the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of uh, um, the very reliable Corey Graves. And backing him up is uh, getting there, Kevin Patrick. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. And the show is big. This is the uh, the show is the the road is the Monday Night Raw of WrestleMania. You know, uh, this is the Raw before WrestleMania, so it's it's big. But here's the thing. Um, who's not there today? Why, we don't have uh, Roman Reigns, again, the Raw champion. We do not have uh, the Raw women's champion. That's right, Bianca Belair is not there either. We do not have the Usos. Usos aren't there. The Raw SmackDown champions. You know? So, yeah, a lot of champions are not there uh, today. And also, um, Austin Theory. The uh, United States champion is also not at Raw, but there's a lot of people at Raw. 
But however, I find with these days with uh, the WWE brand containing Raw and SmackDown, it really doesn't matter. They could be just one brand. It could be just be WWE. Raw and SmackDown, it's, it's, they mix up their rest, their competitors so many times, it, it makes no sense anymore. I mean, it, I mean, it, Raw and SmackDown, it makes no sense to have the two brands anymore. They might as well just call it um, WWE Mondays and WWE Fridays. You know, it's basically, that's why I always see it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's move on. We move on to uh, The Miz TV. Now, Miz, I also should have conclu- included him with the uh, non-competitors in the WWE because he, for sure, in my eyes, is really pretty much a non-competitor. He takes stunts. He does. Uh, he does. T- he's a non-competitor who takes a bump every now and then. Miz, the Miz, pretty much. I'd say by the end of uh, the year, no, he's because he's doing a WrestleMania as a host. He's hosting WrestleMania. So yeah. Miz, either he's he's just injured, he needs to recoup, and he needs a lot of time. Who knows what's Miz? Miz who knows what the Miz is doing? But the Miz, 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 he's a buzz, Miz. Okay, anyways. So the Miz doing his new job as host. He hosts Miz TV, and who's his newest guest? Why it's a team of uh, your new tag team champions, um, Becky Lynch and Lita, and Lita with uh, Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. Now, Becky Lynch and Lita has done nothing, have done even less work than Roman Reigns ever since getting those belts. They've got the belts off damage control and they've sat on their laurels ever since. Well, you know what? Becky Lynch, she's at the nearing her end of her career. And uh, Lita, she's come back from retirement just so she can get her bucket list done. Becoming tag team champions in more than one month. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a it's it's a crock. This whole tag women's tag team champion women's tag team division is pretty much a crock. It's true. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they're talking about their triple threat match. They have a triple threat match at WrestleMania. Not even for the tag team championship gold. So yeah, still at WrestleMania, this this these belts will not be put up. Will not be put up. So even if um, Becky, Lita, and Trish lose, it doesn't matter. This match means really nothing. So they're talking, they're, they're putting up, they're talking about stuff and talk about, uh, the thing is, now Miz asked a question about to Becky Lynch and uh, his question is basically, it's a really simple question. Why did you call for help? Why? Why did you call up for the help? Clearly, the WWE gave her an offer. It's like, listen, uh, you bring back, you and uh, Lita, you guys want to uh, be a tag team champions, uh, bring Lita back and you guys are champion. Some stupid like that. So... Clearly, Becky Lynch did not want to answer that question because she had no answer to it. So she uh, diverted the question to, uh, you got tiny balls, Miz. Miz, you got tiny balls. And he, like a big ball. So it was ridiculous. So thank goodness, eventually, Bailey and uh, EOS guy, Dakota Kai come down there. Now, I know Dakota, she has mic skills. She knows how to talk, but she's just doing nothing. She's just a mousy, a mousy little girl in the ring there. I mean, what's wrong? Dakota, she's got, uh, she's just not talking. Io Sky, she's got some great wrestling abilities, but you know, she's just, she's just a silent little mouse too. Bailey, however, she's uh, looking absolutely fantastic. You know, her uh, street wear. Mm-hmm. I think she looks great. I don't think, uh, you know, Bailey, I think she can do something with her hair a little more than just putting it in a ponytail. I think Bailey's got some wild ass hair and she should let it free. Let that hair free. Become the wild woman you are. Anyways, 
she talks down to the uh, truth three of them. Talked about uh, like 10 years ago, this would have meant something. <laughs> but why are you here for it? It means nothing now. I mean, uh, you guys are retired. Come on now. Pretty much like that. I'm pretty much, uh, you know, not verbatim. But anyways, uh, it comes down to this. Um, uh, Becky Lynch, well, she gets in the face. Now, here's the thing. Becky Lynch starts talking to Bailey, and he, I guess she's trying to cut some sort of promo, like, we're going to beat you. But it becomes Becky Lynch has this weird hiccup. This weird hiccup she does. Every time she breathes in, it's like this weird hiccup. And like, my goodness, Becky. My goodness, you got to slow down there. That heart of yours, that heart with that weird hiccup, that might add up to a weird heart murmur. You don't want that. You don't want that. So, yeah, we're waiting for this. A a six-woman tag at WrestleMania. It's it's a match of inclusivity. Inclusivity. Inclusivity? Okay. Clearly, I'm not getting the word right, but anyways, at least there are a lot of people are being involved in the WrestleMania. It's going to be a match. Will it be a good match? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Everybody's going to get their moments. And speaking of moments, we got this whole beginning part adds up to a one-on-one match. Becky Lynch, her match with the damage controls, EO Sky. Now this match, I got to say, was uh, a barn burner, a real barn burner. It was 11 and a half minutes, listener, 11 and a half minutes. Um, Now, even though Becky Lynch, I'm not sure what's going on with some of her moves. But uh, we got a moment here where Becky Lynch uh, decides to uh, she uh, focus her attention on Bailey, who's outside the ring, and Bailey walks backwards into the you know ringside there, where um, Becky Lynch grabs her hair, and this is where Io Sky took over. She gave her a nice kick to the face. She took her time too. Wow, it was terrible. It was a terrible spot. I gotta say, listener, terrible. Now Becky Lynch, her some of her offensive moves are very questionable. It's like, does Becky Lynch know what she's doing in that ring there? Is she a is she a um, you know comp, competent wrestler? I don't know because uh, her first big offensive move was like uh, if you've watched the movie My Cousin Vinny, My Cousin Vinny, um, Joe Pesci he did this move where he's he's one guy was egging him on for a fight and the whole thing about the money. But eventually the fight happened and um, Joe Pesci was in no mood and she he walked at the guy and jumped at him fists a fly. <laughs> Uh, it was hilarious looking, and it looked exactly the same. Becky Lynch ran off the ropes and just jumped at uh, U.S. Guy with no intention of just a... Uh, it's a move. It was a move that was a big move, which was kind of nonsense in a way. Kind of nonsense. Anyways, another nonsense move was uh, was this one. Here, check this one out. Um, U.S. Guy tries to get uh, Bailey into a slam. Bailey, uh, like a body slam. Bailey floats over, or Becky Lynch floats over of uh, U.S. Guy, and then drops down. It was like a ha! It's like uh, Becky Lynch just doing stuff. Becky being a Becky in the ring. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just like uh, frantic and not really wrestling. It's just like fooling around almost. But here's the thing: with the match was brought all together by uh, Eos Guy. Eos Guy brought the thunder, made it look really interesting, very good. Uh, now Eos Guy did the move. It's called the I believe uh, a stomp on Becky's uterus. So yeah, Becky's down there and uh, Eos Kai stomps on her uterus. Pretty damn good. Pretty devastating move. Now, a couple of moves together was uh, a wonderful non-released German suplex. Wow. Really good. 
really wonderful move now. Also, she does a uh, wonderful uh, um, a moonsault. A moonsault inside-outside ring, uh, second rope, but it was good. It was good maneuver. Now, Eosky gets the match inside the ring again, and they have a uh, section uh, um, where Eosky does a moon. Eosky has a moonsault. You know, like there's a few wrestlers who have a moonsault. Now, Eosky's moonsault. I gotta say it. Of all the people who do moonsaults, Eosky's got to be the worst. The worst of moonsaults. Her over the moonsault, she she gets as little height as possible. Unlike uh, a Tiffany Stratton who gets a top dead center. She looks beautiful up the ring there. She can really aces that. Um, Ricochets, he gets some top dead center happening almost. But this one here, uh, an Eosky moonsault is this. Eosky gets to the top rope and she falls backwards a bit. And then when she's almost um, a vertical to the top rope, she does a kickoff. So she does basically a, a, a barely a flip. It is, I don't know, upsetting to watch because it could be so much better. So much better looking, but yeah, it's garbage in my eyes. Anyways, okay, moving on. Then we have the sequence happening. After that, she does, okay. Now, Eos Guide goes for the moonsault, but misses. And uh, Becky Lynch tries to go for the, uh, the what's that, uh, this armor. Then Eos Guide reverses that with a, a schoolgirl. And then Becky Lynch goes for a roll-up attempt herself, you know. And then they get up, and uh, Becky Lynch gets Eosky in her disarmor. Yeah, and it was over. The manhandle slam, I should say. The manhandle slam, not dis sorry, disarmor. The manhandle slam, which is pretty much like uh, a stand-up rock bottom, a stand-up rock bottom, a stand-up enziguri, you know. Similar to Nizuguri. Stand up rock bottom, I should say. It's true. It is what it is. And But in 11 and a half minutes, 11 and a half minutes, it was pretty good. It was fun. It was fun. Um, Becky Lynch won, of course. Uh, US guy. Ever, yeah, yep, she's in a tear. But yeah. But WrestleMania, it's going to be big. It's going to be a match, anyways. It's going to be a match. Um, the six woman tag. So we go from that group backstage. Kathy Kelly getting some info on Seth Rollins and his bionic fist. Oh, listener, Logan Paul's bionic fist. His, uh, he's got some like uh, titanium pins in his uh, knuckles because maybe he might have broken one day and, you know, he had some titanium pins put in there. But apparently those titanium pins or little pins are like made his arm bionic. You know, it's like uh, nanotechnology in his fist. Knocking out Seth Rollins many times, two times. Although he used that bionic fist on, on Roman Reigns, nothing happened. So yeah, Seth Rollins looking for some revenge, but nay, we got ourselves a Mustafa Ali. Now it's basically, uh, he's taking on, uh, he looks like he could be part of the uh, Maximum Male Models. <laughs> uh, Mustafa's new look, uh, yeah. So his new attitude is the happy, it's happy Ali or positive Ali. It, it's, I don't know, I guess, you know what? Corbin is not happy anymore. You know, he, he's gimmick this. Well, he might be happy again in the future. But as of now, it's Mustafa Ali with happy gimmick. And he's telling um, Seth Rollins a thing or two about, you know, so ridiculous. Him and Logan Paul and stuff like that. It's nonsense. And, well, so much nonsense that uh, Seth Rollins like, you know what? You just fired me up, son. Let's go. It's a match. And Mustafa's like, uh, one second, please. 
Okay, moving on. We go on to that very match. Seth Rollins versus Mustafa Ali. This match had all the potential of being a barn burner, a slobber knocker. This match had potential to be a, a real, real, uh, you know, athletic event. But, however, it was not. Because I say that because uh, Mustafa Ali, he's a really good wrestler. When it comes down to it, Mustafa Ali knows how to wrestle. Obviously, we all know Seth Rollins is the uh, architect. He is a great wrestler. Period. One of the best in the business. So, yeah. Why could this match not be great? Because it was basically a two and a half minute match. Not even. Like two minutes and ten seconds. Barely over two minutes. Barely over two minutes of nonsense. Now, we got a moment where Mustafa goes to the top ropes, gets knocked down. You can see him clearly trying to hook his leg onto the bottom rope, getting ready for him to fall backwards. It's nonsense. Seth Rollins then does the most, uh, I guess, uh, innovative stomp yet. When Mustafa is trying to get up a little bit there, yeah, uh, Seth Rollins comes down with a stomp in the front of the throat. Oh, stompy stomp! A stompy stomp stomp, ladies. Or gentlemen. And then we go to the finishing move. Mustafa Ali gets the curb stomp. The stomp on the back of the head. Like I say, this match could have been great. Mustafa Ali really losing. Well, who knows? You know what? I see the Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler becoming a tag team and becoming a, another tag team that'll last maybe a month or two. Yeah. Moving on. We go backstage with uh, Adam Pierce and Sad Corbin. Boo-hoo. Why aren't I on the show today, Adam Pierce? I would like to be on the show. <laughs> Adam Pierce, please. <laughs> I swear, it's true. Now, Sad Corbin wasn't crying, you know, like that. But he wanted to be on the show, and Adam Pierce said, Yes, don't worry. Friday Night SmackDown, we're going to have a nonsense match, a Battle Royal match, Andre Giant style. You know, we're just going to throw a bunch of uh, guys we haven't seen before or heard of a long time where a lot of people just simply don't care about anymore. We're going to throw a bunch of these uh, nonsense wrestlers that no one cares about into a match and call it a night. And you're going to be part of it, Corbin. You! Part of that match! And then we have ourselves, uh, Chelsea Green's like, Excuse me, is this manager around here? The manager? <laughs> is the manager around here? I got a word to... And then he's like, oh, oh my goodness, thank goodness, Chelsea Green's here. Um, Corbin... One second, please. I got someone more important than you. <laughs> so he starts dealing with Chelsea Green. And then, uh, well, Chelsea. Chelsea's her first tag team with uh, Carmella. Now, Carmella, I guess I always knew Carmella does. She's a part-time wrestler. She's in every now and then. You know, she wrestles for a little bit and she's off for a long time. You know, she's in the uh, in a little. Uh, she, they bring her back every time they need someone around, you know to fill the seats in. I don't know. But Carmella's gone and so I guess Chelsea needed a new tag team partner and then her new tag team partner was Piper Niven. Only for tonight. Now tonight it's going to be Chelsea Green and uh, oh my goodness. You know, it's uh, um, what's that? Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville. Now Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville have a lot in common. They're entitled whites. Entitled white women, you know, and they have that attitude, the Karen attitude. And what's that? Adam Pierce like, you can be a tag team. You can probably be called the uh, complaint department. I would call them entitled. That would be a great team. We are entitled. We are called entitled. <laughs> it sounds good. 
it's what they are. I think it's better than complaint department. That's too uh, eh, control, uh, damage control. You know, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, entitled is uh, what's that? Uh, Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. So yeah, they're going to have a match. It's going to be a qualification qualifying match for a showcase match at WrestleMania, and their tag team match will be against Michin and Candice LeRae, another a slap together tag team. Because the, when it comes to tag teams in the WWE, they're probably the worst in the wrestling because they never last. They just slap two two randos together and call it a day, and it never works. Never, ever works. And speaking of never working. We got our next segment. It is in the official weigh-ins for WrestleMania. Amos and Mr. Onionhead. That's right. Brock Lesnar. Never weigh-in now. MVPs with uh, Amos. Now, I'm not sure what's going on with their MVP and Amos. MVP's not doing anything to help Amos. You know, Amos is still a quiet boy. Quiet giant. He's, he's got to get together with AJ Styles. He's pronto. But anyways, this weigh-in's brought to you by, uh, hosted by um, Corey Graves, and attended by an official, and Adam Pierce, your main official, mm-hmm. your official official. So coming into the ring there is MVP and Omos, and he steps on that scale and they weigh him in, and it, he weighs in at an, a whopping 400, weighing in at 410 pounds. Almost! So, after he gets his weight in, they put the scale aside, because we know that's about that's all that's all that's, all that's gonna happen. Brock Lesnar comes to the ring and he attacks Almost. He tries to take him down with a flying a la um, Becky Lynch on EO Sky. He jumps at him with a with a flying I don't know flying uh, uh, Polish hammer. You know that's what Becky, what Becky Lynch looked like. She was doing a flying Polish hammer. That's right. So he knocks back uh, Amos. Brock Lesnar Jen goes to the scale, but not to step on it. Use it as a weapon. But he goes to uh, ram Amos. Almost goes for a super kick. Now this could have been bad because almost could have got nailed it right in the gro- right in the gonads. With that scale, but no, Brock Lesnar gets kicked in the face and gets knocked out of the ring yet again. <laughs> so, uh, WrestleMania will be a big moment. Brock Lesnar, Omos. Now, this could be a, a devastating night for Omos. If, because I'm not sure Omos has taken any, yes, Omos hasn't really fought anybody, hasn't really fought anybody who was a real challenge. Has Omos been thrown around at all? No. Now, will when almost gets suplex, if almost gets suplex, which he most likely will, in this match because uh, Brock Lesnar that's his that's his move. Brock Lesnar's, I guess, one of his three moves is a uh, German suplex. Like I say before, uh, Biggie Langston took a took a German suplex, a released German suplex, and landed directly on top of his head. You know, imagine if. Uh, Almost takes a German suplex and lands on top of his head, which is mo- which is a very likely scenario. Very likely scenario. If uh, almost gets German suplexed, released or non-released, landing on his head is likely, and this could end his entire career. This match, nothing good can get out of this. Nothing good can come out of this match, uh, even if it uh, comes out with no one injured. Regardless, we move on. That's for WrestleMania to decide. Right now, we got ourselves Byron Saxton coming in there 
finally, Byron Saxon with a Rhea Ripley interview about, uh, you know, Charlotte Flair and WrestleMania. So I guess it comes down to this basic, the bare bones tax. The bare bones tax. It comes to Charlotte's legacy versus Rhea Ripley's a destiny. Rhea Ripley wants to be the greatest out there. And you know what? Rhea Ripley has all the tools to be the greatest. Even though uh, Rhea Ripley, uh, you know what? There's so many wrestlers. Either, either when it comes to WWE and wrestlers and fighting, either it's either A, you're overexposed, you, they're all constantly fighting. Like, um, what's that? Cody Rhodes? Always. He's, every week, he's, he's on a show. Every week. Two times a week. Either you're on a show all the time or you're not. You're every now and then. And it's like Rhea Ripley. She's, uh, she's showing a lot, but she barely fights. But anyways, Rhea Ripley, she's looking for uh, gold at WrestleMania. Charlotte Flair, she's uh, looking for her gold. And Charlotte is clearly, you know what? Uh, she's not defended. She's barely defended her belt at all. Like all champions, they fight like UFC fighters these days. They fight once every couple of months. It's true. It's kind of a frustrating to see that. But it is what it is. So now here we go to another nonsensical match. It is a, uh, I guess, a warm-up match to WrestleMania. This is a tag team match, an eight-man tag. Now, uh, all these wrestlers, each four tag teams in this match, each tag team will be in WrestleMania fighting on their own. This will be, there will be a, a team versus team. Now, this is a team-up situation. So much nonsense. It's like, it doesn't matter who wins this match because it doesn't matter. It's just a filler match. And who's in this filler match, you might ask? Why? It is a team of the Street Profits, Angel Dawkins, and Montez Ford first, and... Ricochet and Braun Strowman of Big, Bald, and Beautiful. Or Big, Bald, and Bearded. Of uh, the uh, Ricochet. Wait for the Ricochet. And uh, Braun Strowman. Versus the Alpha Academy. You know, what's left of them? Meaning uh, the road of the Alpha Academy will be overshoon. Overshoon, just like the Alpha, um, American Alpha. Chad Gabler. Remember, you can't, it, Gabla, it always rhymes with Tabla. And his tag team partner for now, it's Otis. And their tag team partners are the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. Basically, it starts with this. Um, Chad Gable, for the first half of the match, uh, was uh, fighting the entire team of the Street Profits and the Big Bald and Bearded. Mm-hmm. Rick Shane, uh, Bron, uh, and hey. So now, the funny thing, with this match, like, WWE tag teams, it's just uh, nonsense. It's just a fiasco. Really, tag ropes don't really matter. Refs don't really care if you use the ropes or not. And uh, the more to people in the ring, the bigger the fiasco, I'd say. Um, I like tag team matches, but when it comes to, like, six-man tags, um, eight-man tags, it's just a bunch of, yeah, like I say, a fiasco. Now, it, what proves it is the very first tag. It's Angelo Dawkins in the ring with uh, Chad Gabla. Dawkins uh, goes for, he's hitting the ropes. He's hitting those ropes and uh, it's a Ricochet. He's on the outside of the whole tag team. It's uh, the, the ring post is there. Next to the ring post is Montez Ford. Next to Montez Ford is, uh, that's right, Ricochet. Wait for the Ricochet. And it's, of course, Andrew Dawkins hits those ropes and nowhere near the tag rope is of course Ricochet and he slaps the back of Angelo Dawkins and the referee's like, that's a tag. I heard it. Even though he was nowhere near the ropes, he slapped his back, but hey, I'll count it as a tag. 
and it's the whole thing's like that. Even though Montez Ford, National Dawkins, when they tag in and out, they do clean, you know. But this match was nonsense. Um, eventually, what's that? Uh, they get a nice. Uh, we got a the tag out and everything. Great tag out. We got we got a point where in the match where all six, all eight of them get in the ring there and like oh a little uh, you know stare off and then they fight each other like like mad like a big old uh, you know uh, yeah a tor like a tornado match. It took over like a tornado match for a second there. That's it. Now here's the thing. Backstage we got ourselves Maxine Dupree watching her number one guy, her new, her future number one guy, Otis, in the ring there, make a fool of himself. Not really fool of himself. He didn't do bad. He did good for the moment he was in the ring. Now here we go. The end sequence was this. The end sequence was this. Because it was so much fun. It was so much fun. A lot happened. But the end sequence was Angelo Dawkins tags in. Hut tags in. Braun Strowman. Now Braun does his thing. He goes, time to fire up the old Braun Express. Hoo hoo. He runs around the ring. You know, but this could go like 4.0 style. He could, is Braun Strowman going to find himself running into the announce table again? The commentator booth, I should say? No. First off, he smashes Otis. Otis gets crushed. And he runs off her and he smashes Otis's partner, Chad Gabler. He gets crushed too. And then it's uh, Ivar. Ivar. You know, there's so much potential in Ivar. If Ivar goes, goes so low, I think Ivar can be a champion on his own. But Ivar and the Viking Raiders are. So now they go back in the ring. Where, what's that? The Braun Strowman destroys Eric. Picks him up with the massive spine buster. And then picks him up again for a massive a power slam. A whammo! Power slamo. And then here we go, the finishing sequence. Um, ricochet. Oh, wait for the ricochet. Okay, goes on a bronze from his shoulders and finishing off with a massive sand swanton bomb. Beautiful. And then after that, it's showing off from everybody. Showing off, topping off everybody out there. You thought Ricochet was uh, the man? Why, it's Montez Ford with the massive, um, you could say, a, a, a rotating, a twisting a twisting, or should I say a rotating a splash, a 180 rotate splash, over top, clearing, easily clearing Braun Strowman. It was a thing of beauty. A thing, of, I think the greatest thing in a match, you know, next to the, uh, you know, wonderful Ricochet Swanton. And just like that, it's over in like 11 and a half minutes. And what does this match mean? It meant a lot of fun for the crowd. Hey, that was a lot of fun. So now we go backstage. It's we got Kathy Kelly with the man who just loves to be loved. Can't stand to be hated. It's Cody Rhodes. And uh, his pre-match interview with against Solo Sokoa. You know? And, uh, and it all things like, why is it so important? You know, this match, this whole thing with uh, Solo Sokoa. And here's the thing. Cody Rhodes is talking about uh, earning. Did Cody Rhodes earn his championship title match? And Cody Rhodes thinks he does. He definitely thinks he does earn it. Now, the whole thing is this. Uh, will Solo Sokoa um, find out, is he ready? Because uh, Cody Rhodes has always been saying, well, for the last week or so, 
Solo Sikor, you're not ready. You're not ready. Ready for what? I'm not sure. Marriage? I don't know. Is Solo already married? I don't know. But whatever Solo's not ready for, Cordy Rhodes is saying it a lot. So now here we go. We go to a nice little uh, Hollywood. We got another little segment of acting. Roman Reigns with his acting chops. This is the Goodfellas um, a parody. It's basically the bloodline, but it's uh, the only talking parts really is Roman Reigns and uh, Paul. Hey, man. It was a little cringy at first. Roman Reigns with his chopping acting chops. He's at the end of the thing. It was pretty funny. You know, the old, uh, so you think I'm funny? Tell me you think I'm funny. And the whole WrestleMania thing. And Soul Score with the thing in uh, at the end. But he's so serious face. I think you're funny, my tribal chief. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's funny. It was a lot of fun. Especially when Roman Reigns got, uh, there was a, you're in a restaurant. And, and uh, I guess a um, waiter. He's saying, uh, your bill, yes sir. Would you like to pay your bill right now? And Roman Reigns smashes him over the head with some with a champagne bottle. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Anyways, it was good. I still think uh, Seth Rollins got some acting chops. Seth Rollins got some great acting chops. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, moving on. We go with an awesome theory in the ring here. And we got himself talking about, uh, he's got a message for John Cena, John Cena. And basically, basically at WrestleMania, um, he's going to make a believer out of John Cena. And I truly believe that too. I believe John Cena is going to go in this ring here. He's going to bring a lot of gusto, a lot of hype, a lot of people talking, a lot of talk, a lot of, uh, HLR, you know, and he's going to lose to, uh, Austin Theory. I think Austin Theory is going to prove a point that he's going to be why he's like the best. One of the best out there right now, Austin Theory. I truly believe Austin Theory's mic skills are very great. Now, even though Austin Theory's in-ring, promo, it was a pre-tape, so no one's there yet. So he could have been there who knows how long ago. Who knows? But yeah, he cut a promo. Who knows how many takes? But we see the one good one. So yeah, Will... Austin Theory show John Cena less than at WrestleMania. I think so. I think John Cena will lose at WrestleMania and uh, Austin Theory will retain his championship belt and continue on being the face of Monday Night Raw. So now here we go on our next match. Now this is a, a, a tag team match brought to you by Adam Pierce. Now this one here is uh, the winner of this match, this tag team match in women's division will go on to the WrestleMania showcase match. The showcase tag team match, which is just a nonsense word for uh, a filler match at WrestleMania. So a lot of people can get their WrestleMania moment. It's true. That's how I believe, what I believe. Now in this match, it is uh, the two Karens of wrestling. That's right. Not caring, but Karen. That's right. The uh, white and privileged Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green versus Candice LeRae and Mi Chin. Mi Chin, Mi Chin, Mi Chin is on fire. That's right. Now, who's going to win this here? The re- just put together team of Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green versus the just put together team of Candice LeRae and Mi Chin. <laughs> Two teams just put together. And they're going to be joining the uh, just put together team of Raquel um, Rodriguez and the just put together team 
of uh, Natalia Bret Hart and uh, Shotzi. And uh, I guess uh, they've been uh, friends for a long time, but uh, very new tag team. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the tag team division. All new, new faces, fresh teams all the time. NXT, the WWE tag. <laughs> so say it. So what about this match? What about this match? It was three minutes. Yes, right. It was a three-minute match. A three-minute match. And this was uh, a lot of fun. I guess it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, the tags, like I say, tags. Uh, every now and then they try to use a be try to have a clean match, but when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter if using tag ropes or not, because refs just don't care. Because they know you're not going to use the tag ropes all the time, and he's not going to, you know, thwart you for it. For what? <laughs> That's right. I'm going with that one. So yeah, in the match here, it was a lot of give and take. We got this one move. It was really interesting. It was a nonsense move. Uh, it was a nonsense move done by uh, Candice LeRae Michin. Now Candice LeRae goes for a wheelbarrow, a wheelbarrow onto Michin, and then goes and then goes for a uh, looks like some sort of uh, um, a wheelbarrow uh, roll up. You know, but however, the finishing is like uh, um, Candice LeRae going for a. Um, a wheelbarrow on Michin, but then goes through her legs and Michin ends up with a splash on top of, uh, you know, Chelsea Green. On top of Chelsea Green. Try to get the pin, but however, we have ourselves a Sonya Deville problem. She comes in there, breaks a pin up, and then it's uh, Chelsea, or it's Sonya Deville taking over and smashing, slamming Candice Ray and tossing her outside the ring. That's all. That's it. And that's it for... Uh, you know, Chelsea, uh, that's it for uh, Cancellor Ray. She gets slammed a little bit and then rolled out of the ring, kicked out of the ring, and then she's out for the wrestling match. And then in the ring, Cancellor Ray, or should I say, uh, Mi Chin, gives uh, Sonya Deville a big old drop kick to the face, missile drop kick. She drops out of sight a little bit, but unlike uh, Cancellor Ray, it's not over for Sonya. Now, here we go, the final sequence. It's Chelsea Green gets behind uh, Mi Chin. She runs her into the ropes, and I guess she's going for an O'Connor roll or something. Mi Chin grabs the ropes. Um, what's that? Uh, Chelsea Green gets bumped off of her, gets bucked off. Referee's like, oh, you almost hit me. And he makes sure that uh, Chelsea Green's just fine. So he turns his back on all the action, of course. So Chelsea's like, over here, quickly. Referee's like, what's going on, baby? Um, so, yeah. Then on ropes, Michin is like uh, grabbing on the rope still, and that's where uh, the big cheat happens. I think it could have been better. I guess when Sonya Deville comes up there and sucker punches uh, Michin in the face, I think it would have been better if uh, there was some sort of uh, a foreign object involved. Maybe uh, Sonya Deville uh, had some uh, brass knuckles or some sort of plastic knuckles in her pocket, just bashing her head with it. You know, some sort of something that'd be like, yeah, yeah, you bitch, you know? Or like a cell phone. Like bash her in the head with a cell phone. <laughs> that would have been funny. At least it's more believable that, yeah, Michin just got suckered by, uh, you know, um, Sonya Deville. That so much so that the ref, if ref seen it, it would have been over. A disqualification would have happened. But no such thing. Anyways. Uh, Michin turns around and to face uh, Chelsea Green. To, now, this is the thing. This was a... Uh, 
the Unprettier. There's the finishing move called the Unprettier. Now, Grayson Waller has taken this Unprettier maneuver and pumped it on steroids. This is the most beautiful. Grayson Waller turned the Unprettier from a, an okay finisher to a fantastic goddamn maneuver with doing a front bump pretty Unprettier. Oh, pff, beautiful. Now, the problem with this is uh, Chelsea Green's Unprettier is so unpretty is the worst unprettier I've ever seen. I'm not sure what she did. She got into the position. She didn't even get the, the setup right. You know, the idea is there, but no execution. So yeah, she's trying out a new move and the unprettier does not work for Chelsea Green. She looked like an absolute fool. But fool or no fool, she gets the victory over Mi-Chin. Mi-Chin, wow. Well, at least she's uh, being seen. She's at least wrestling more than the uh, Good Brothers. Haven't seen them in a while since the... Uh, AJ Styles injury. So ridiculous. So yeah, moving on to the, uh, uh, I guess you can say the Fatal 4-Way um, tag team uh, specialty match. You know? It's uh, Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, Natalia Schotzi, uh, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, and Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Man, who's going to win that? Does it matter? No. Moving on, we go backstage with Kathy Kelly and Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman with some words for Cody Rhodes. And apparently, Cody Rhodes talked about um, um, Solo Sokoa not ready. Well, quite frankly, it's Cody Rhodes is not ready for Solo Sokoa. Because Solo Sokoa is out there to do one job and is to weaken Cody Rhodes. To weaken Cody Rhodes. Not to win, to weaken. Not to injure, to weaken. Now, the question is, will Solo Sokoa be, uh, be able to accomplish his goal to weaken Cody Rhodes. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's an obvious in, but uh, <laughs> so it's a good thing he chose weaken and not injure. Because uh, mission accomplished, set the bar lower and uh, you can set those, you can achieve those goals. So yeah. Now the thing is, uh, I guess uh, this whole thing is Cody Rhodes is going to get a big old fashioned beat down before... Uh, his match at uh, WrestleMania. That's true. Okay, anyways. So, basically it's this. Um, Paul Heyman says that WrestleMania... Now, Cody Rhodes had already, has already acknowledged Roman Reigns as the greatest, as the tribal chief already. He's already done it. So, uh, I guess, again, at WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes will once again acknowledge Roman Reigns. Now, with that said, we go into the ring. It is a match um, with the Judgment Day against it's uh, Damien Priest versus Rey Mysterio. Now, of course, Judgment Day is SmackDown, and uh, Rey Mysterio is Saraw, and she belongs there. But now it, it all starts with uh, Dominic Mysterio using his mic skills, and he is getting a crowd against him big time. Um, it is hilarious because the whole thing, whole angle, is like. Uh, Dominic Mysterio was egging his daddy on to punch him in the face. Punch me! And he does. He did everything in his power to make his dad punch him in the face. Everything, but it's like every humiliating thing, beat up, including physically punch, beat up his own dad. You know, it reminds me. Uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of failure of a son beats up his own dad? You know. So, anyways, he beats up, including beat up dad, and calling his mom off, telling his mom to shut the hell up. You know, and then that's when Rey Mysterio decides, that's enough. You can say whatever you want to your mother, but when it comes down to my wife, it's time to die. So he beats up, he punched his son, punched uh, Dominic Mysterio. Now Dominic's calling him uh, a failure of a father. 
Uh, so hilarious, but I think it's hilarious, but the crowd hated it. He got the crowd on their nerves. It was hilarious. <laughs> it's so much nonsense. Anyway, so he cut some stuff. He could just, his Spanish is pretty good. I guess Dominic's Spanish. Yeah, he's, uh, it's on spot, on point. And he cuts uh, half his, uh, he cuts uh, partly his, his promo in Spanish. And everybody's rebooing then. He's like, how dare you? Yeah, it was good. A lot of fun. So here we go. The match will start. Damien Priest versus Rey Mysterio. What's going to happen? I think, well, you know what? Rey Mysterio is probably going to win this one here. Unless, of course, uh, um, Dominic Mysterio really decides to cheat. You know, like he did last time. But here we go. The match here. Damien Priest and um, Rey Mysterio. Both wearing their own, um, I guess you can say, body modification gear. Mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio's body modification gear are those uh, boots to make him look like he's got thick calves and uh, ankles. And he's got these uh, thigh pads to make him look like he's got a shape to his legs. And Damien Priest, he's got his one. His thing is, uh, he's got lifts, lifts in the shoes. I'd say Damien Priest's lifts are probably four to five inches. Mm -hmm. He's tall, but this makes him really tall. Mm -hmm. Four or five inches is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I think Damien Priest and Dominic Mysterio are probably, uh, you know, maybe Damien Priest is maybe an inch taller naturally than Dominic, but... With those, with those lifts, Damien Priest looks like a giant. So this match was back and forth, like I say. Back to the match and not with the uh, criticism. Now just watch back and forth this match. Yeah. About three minutes, about three and a half minutes this match. Could have been great. A lot back and forth. Rey Mysterio finally gets uh, Damien Priest into the uh, 619. Booyaka, booyaka. Hits him in 619. Goes to the top rope for his uh, uh, fall down splash. But it's his son, Dominic Mysterio, pushing him off top of the top rope. There we go. Referee says, no, no, no. And calls it a disqualification. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, it comes down to business. Dominic Mysterio and uh, Damien Priest lay the, beats, lay the boots down on uh, Rey Mysterio. And then here we go. Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, uh, Cruz del Toro, and Joaquim Hild run down to the ring. Where's Elena? Who knows? She's probably got some sort of photo shoot she's doing with some video games. I don't know. Zelina's not there. And yeah, Dominic and Damien Priest run away like thieves in the night because, of course, it's now uh, three on one, three and a half on one, the three and a half on two, I should say. Yep. I don't know why, but uh, Legado del Fantasma, they really, really idolize that Rey Mysterio. They see him as a uh, Hall of Fame wrestler, but not as a failure of a dad. You know, you got to pick and choose your battles, I suppose. And then that, we go backstage with Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens. Best friends now. Frenemies, best friends. Once enemies. But they're back on track as friends. Looking forward to WrestleMania. And will Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn become your new tag team champions? I don't know. But all I know is this. If they want to get their tag team division back on track, they got to separate those belts. They got to keep them separated. Mm -hmm. Start fresh. But will Sami and Kevin Owens win? I don't know. I seriously don't know. Um... I would like them to win, 
but I got no opinion. I would think I'm okay. I'm assuming I'm putting my money on the Usos. That's right. Because you know what, uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, are you know they've just been been friends for a long time, but they have never really tagged together. Let's face it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm back and forth in that one. So our next match, it's a big one. It was a big one. It's uh, Imperiums. Gunther from SmackDown with uh, Giovanni Vinci and uh, Ludwig Kaiser is alongside with Gunther. Um, yeah, I'm not sure with what's going on with the raw talent, but uh, no, I guess it's weird because uh, Gunther, he barely shows up on SmackDown. But yet here he is on Raw. Here he is on Raw. Like the only champion really performing on Raw. And it's against Uncle Ziggler. Uncle Ziggler. Mm-hmm. Now fully Dolph Ziggler. Now, how went with this match? This match was about four minutes. Four minutes. It was almost a squash match. It was a domination match for uh, Gunther. Gunther with a massive chop to the chest. I'm wondering, you know, has uh, Dolph Ziggler ever been hit this hard? Maybe. Dolph Ziggler has seen a lot. He's seen a lot. He's seen a lot of wrestlers. But no one like Gunther. Now, even though Gunther has lost, clearly lost 100 pounds since the NXT days, NXT UK days, but he's still... One of the greatest. Gunther, I gotta say, when it comes to wrestling, um, Gunther, there's no one better to watch than Gunther. Gunther is a phenomenal talent to watch in that ring. Because when he's performing, you feel every move. You, you're you in it. You're in it with Gunther. You know, a Gunther a barn burner, a Gunther, a barn burner match, like a 20 minute Gunther match, is, it's, it just doesn't get old. Gunther can go on forever and everybody would just want more. But this match, like I say, this match could have been good. Um, Dolph Ziggler even though he's been losing like huge big time because I think now this like I say Dolph Ziggler and Mustafa will be a tag team in the future inevitably inevitably that's the word so here we go as of now Gunther Dolph Ziggler it was a it was a it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun it was uh, Dolph Ziggler getting slapped to hell thrown around like hell Dolph Ziggler went for a uh, um, the zigzag he got thrown off and then Dolph Ziggler now this is the end sequence Obviously, you managed to get turn things around for a little bit. You get the fame asser on for somehow. But like I say, um, Gunther is a really great worker. And when it comes down to it, you can work with anybody. And you can strike. This match could have been a 20-minute match. But anyways, after the uh, failed zigzag, Dolph Ziggler gets back up and jumps at Gunther one last time. He jumps at him. I'm not sure what the move was supposed to be. But... Gunther chops him down. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, it was bad. It was really heavy. Um, stiff as all hell, I gotta say. Gunther, he, when it comes down to it, Gunther is a great wrestler because he, he seems like he's very stiff. He makes uh, Seamus bleed out of his uh, chest pores, you know, every time. So now he, the end sequence, after the big chop on Dolph Ziggler, he picks him up for the powerbomb. Now, the Gunther powerbomb is beautiful. It is a sight to be seen. This could end the match easily right there easily right there but Gunther has a new move it's called the last symphony and the last symphony I would say it would be a last symphony would be a power a power slam set up to a uh, I guess you can say a sidewalk slam a power slam to sidewalk slam it is weird it is weird and it does not look effective it makes a big noise but after that power slam that uh, the last symphony looks pretty trash Gotta face it, gotta say it, looks pretty trashy. You know, 
yeah, he should take that out. I mean, it's different, but different in a bad way. In like I say, four minutes, it's over. Gunther wins. And he sends a message out to uh, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. This is an example of what I'm going to do to you. That's right. Dolph Ziggler just got squashed. So our next match, it is the main event match of the night. It's Cody, it's Cody Rhodes versus Solo Sikoa of the Bloodline. Now, nobody's there. The, uh, the Usos, not there. Roman Reigns, not there. Although, Paul Heyman, he's on the side of Solo Sikoa. Now, was the Usos not there all the way there? But not there in the beginning. Now, here we go. This match was, uh, was a lot of fun. It could have been viewed as a uh, no-holds-barred match because they'd taken a match outside for a little bit. A couple of times they took the match outside. Um, Cody Rhodes turns things around, throwing Solo Sokoa into... That's right, the steel steps. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cody Rhodes also utilizes the uh, steel post and wraps Solo's leg around it. Mm-hmm. Now, it looked devastating, but obviously these moves don't mean anything anymore because uh, Solo really just uh, walked that off in seconds. Walked it off. They fight again. Uh, now, here's the thing. They fight outside for a second time. Um, Cody Rhodes goes into bring there to break the count. Guess we know. No. Even if he didn't, the referee doesn't care. They're not going to count to 10. There's no way. Unless, of course, it's planned that way. You know, here we go. Cody Rhodes jumps out, goes into rack in the ring, breaks the count. He jumps out for a, sol- for a tope suicida between the second and third rope. Pretty impressive looking, but however, he's caught in midair by Solo Sokoa, and then Yurinagi's him onto the table, onto the uh, commentating table. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, you can throw someone through a table, but if you throw a table onto somebody, it's a disqualification. But not this way. You gotta throw someone through the inanimate objects, so it's fair. It just makes no sense at all. But anyways, like I say, even these moves here, throwing someone through uh, the commentating table, doesn't matter. That's why it's not a disqualifying move, because it really doesn't hurt at all. Now, in a match here, we got ourselves Cody Rhodes going to his move, his favorite move, the disaster kick. Whoa, 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 it chops him in the face. Gets Solo in the face. And then gets him with his next favorite move, the Cody Cutter. Whoa, 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 Jumps off the ring there. Gets him again. Oh, he loves those springboards. But, however, does not get it. Now we go again, Cody going for the crossroads. Oh, crossroads to uh, finish off the match. And he gets it. Oh, I thought, oh my God, with this match over? No, Solo Sokoa, I guess he gets his foot on the ropes, baby. Now, Cody Rhodes, they scuffle on, fight on again, and Cody Rhodes gets a Cody Cutter again on the Solo. Now, before going for another, uh, I guess, you know, crossroads, he got himself see Usos, the Usos, come to the ring. No, no. They walk there and he starts making mean faces. And then that's where Solo Sokoa takes over. He gives, uh, gets uh, Cody Rhodes to a Yuranagi. But no pin, no pin. Cody Rhodes kicks out. Now, here's the thing. We got ourselves a little bit of the uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens coming to the ring there to save uh, what's left of the match to help out some, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes. Their new friend, after all, Cody Rhodes, without his help, they would never be together again. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Cody. You are a wonderful dude. So, yeah. The Usos finally showing up, uh, who now what, fight off Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but they fight towards back and they take their whole little scrap out back, back to the gorilla area and ready to fight at WrestleMania. But in the ring, in the ring, it's uh, 
Sola Sokoa. Ready for a Spike Oa on uh, Cody Rhodes. No, Cody Rhodes. Uh, he ducks that Spike Oa. And then gets uh, Sola Sokoa into the crossroads. Just like that. You're in the crossroads. Crossroads is over. One, two, three. The match was, however, 13 and a half minutes. It was, uh, it was a barn burner. It was an official barn burner. It was an okay match. It was okay. Um, like I say, the match of the night, uh, surprisingly, surprisingly, goes to the first match, Becky Lynch versus Eo Sky. Matter with all the complaints I had about that, it's still the match of the night. So yeah, Saturday, when this episode drops, will be WrestleMania Day 1. But uh, that wraps it up for this episode of Monday Night Raw. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of the NXT right after this short break. Lewis Ling Show Baby It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT air date March 29th, 2023. This episode is the road to stand and deliver. Uh, Let's go. Uh, well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome back, listener. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and we're about to take a very cynical look back at the latest tapings of the NXT. But before we dive into the show, a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right. First and foremost, it's the authority figure. It's uh, Mr. Sean Michaels. That's right. And of course, um, the commentary crew. It's the play-by-play guys. The hosts. And uh, I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of two-time Hall of Famer, Booker T. Very unreasonable. Wow. Anyways, and backing him up is quickly becoming the face, the voice of uh, NXT. And he is the, uh, I should say, um, the voice of a reason. The voice of reason of NXT, it's uh, Vic Tippity Top Joseph. Wow, how about that? And of course, least we forget, the person who gets all the backstage scoops and all the backstage interviews, it is none other than Mackenzie Mitchell. Now, without any further ado's, oh, and one more thing, listener. Another, I guess, uh, non-competitor for this, uh, this for a while now, it's uh, Pretty Deadly. Elton Prince and uh, Kit Wilson, and they are on this show doing uh, the hosting job. I guess some sort of hosting job. Not really hosting anything. Um, they are actually, they're the hosts of Stand and Deliver. And during this entire episode, they're going to be cutting in and out, talking, promoting Stand and Deliver. Mm-hmm. That's all they're doing these days. They're just two, uh, two uh, snacks talking about Stand and Deliver. How about that, listener? How about that? So, yeah, they do that. Okay, so... Now, without any further cadoos, let's get on with the show. And we start off big. This is a, uh, I guess you can say, a uh, um, 
a paella of uh, wrestling matches, where you can maybe a even a uh, a smorgasbord of wrestling matches. That's right, whatever you call it, even a buffet of wrestling matches. And this one here is a twenty-man battle royal for the winner. Whoever wins this battle royal becomes the number one contender for the uh, a five-way dance that's happening on the uh, stand and deliver. The winner becomes the new uh, North American champion. This is uh, a Wesley challenge. A Wesley challenge. So, who's fighting in this 20-man battle royal? Why? Number one, Quincy Elliott, Dante Shun, Zion Quinn. Now, these are people you, you haven't heard of in months and probably haven't even hit the ring in years. Another one, Scripps, Odyssey Jones, Damon Kemp. Yes, yeah, right. Mr. Potato. Um, Charlie Dempsey, Idris Inofe, Hank Walker, Bryson Montana. That's right, uh, Bryson. Now, none of these people, they just started it with everybody in the ring. They got maybe uh, Apollo Crews. They announced Apollo Crews. We all know Apollo Crews came in the ring. Because he's, Apollo Crews, but everybody else is standing in the ring. Come on now. They had the time to introduce everybody. Why not? Why not? Anyways, uh, Bryson Montana, a newbie there. Everything to him there. Um, Oro Menza. Javier Barnell, um, Nathan Fraser, Apollo Crews, Jinder Mahal, Dijak, Street Justice, um, Yabba Dabba Kadoo! It's Dabba Kadoo, um, Axiom, Malik Blade, and rounding it off is Adru Agulak. Adru Gulak! So here we go. First out is uh, Quincy. Um, Quincy Alley's out first, thrown up by Dabba. Dante, thrown up by Dijak. Bryson, by Odyssey, um, Damon Kemp, um, by Nathan Fraser, Dijak then, by Odyssey Jones, Odyssey, I believe, by Ginger Mahal, then Idris Nofe by Apollo, Malik, Blade, by Scripps, that's right, Scripps, looking like an absolute potato in there, too, oh my goodness, um, now Scripps uh, gets rid of, uh, uh, actually, Malik gets rid of, uh, Malik has got rid of by Scripps, then Scripps has got rid of by Axiom, gets rid of him. Then Javier is gotten rid of by Apollo. And then somehow, Zion Quinn and Oro Menza. They somehow, I think they eliminated themselves. It doesn't matter. But next up, Hank Walker gets uh, eliminated by Charlie Dempsey and Drew McIntyre. Hank Walker, they get both eliminated by Charlie Dempsey. Then it's Apollo Cruz gets ejected by Yabba Dabba Doo. I mean, Dabba Kato. And then Jinder Mahal is taken rid of by Axiom. And then uh, Daba is then gotten rid of by uh, who's left? Charlie Dempsey, um, Axiom, and uh, uh, Nathan Fraser. And then Charlie Dempsey is dumped out by Axiom. And then it became a one-on-one -on -one match with uh, Nathan Fraser and Axiom. It's true. So I find it was really funny that uh, with the funniest one I've seen, the funny ex funniest exit of this whole thing, well, the two funniest exit was uh, Quincy Elliott. Right as soon as the match started, he was lobbed out of the ring. <laughs> it's hilarious because you know who's not ready. It's uh, Quincy Elliott. He barely does anything anymore. And another one I thought was hilarious was, uh, what's that? Uh, um, Scripps. It was, uh, I guess, Axiom. He's throwing him towards the um, ropes. And then <laughs> Scripps literally does a somersault outside the ring. It's like, that's a good one, Scripps. That's a good one. Yeah, oh my goodness. So anyways, uh, winning this whole match is uh, Axiom. 
taking out Nathan Fraser. The last bit of the match was very fun. A lot of fun. You know, uh, but it was, however, Axiom finishing off, rounding off the uh, Fatal Five-Way match at the Stand and Deliver. Or Stand on My Liver. Stand in a River. Stand on, Stand and Deliver. Okay, next up we go backstage with Kiana James and Fallon Henley with uh, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Them denim boys. And uh, why? Fallon Henley wants uh, Kiana James to come out clean. You know, with, uh, I guess, Sebastian with uh, Brooks Jensen but I guess uh, Keanu James had other news that she got them into a tag team match for tonight and if they win their tag team match tonight they can move on to stand on my liver with uh, for the tag team to challenge uh, Gallus in, uh, to become a new tag team involved with it but they gotta win first so yeah a big break for them denim boys and that's Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen so here we go. Next up, we got ourselves a one-on-one match. Von Wagner with uh, Mr. Stone and uh, versus, uh, I guess he's part, is he part of uh, Chase U? Because he came down with Chase U's music and all. It is uh, the Schwarmy, the Schwarma, the Schwarmy, the Swama. I don't know. It's uh, Tyler Bates. Mr. Meditation. Okay, so who's going to win this? And I know Von Wagner is not going to win this match. Von Wagner is one of my favorite wrestlers right now. He's got a lot of potential. He's, uh, I think he's the modern day Big John Stud. Big John Stud. He reminds me so much of him. Although he may not have any any attitude or, uh, you know, personality of him. But he just reminds me of him. So this match here, Von Wagner is clearly the bigger man. Tyler Bate, he's got he's uh, he's got muscles on his uh, tiny frame, but uh, yeah, Tyler Bate, Von Wagner, I'm a big fan of Von Wagner. Like I've been saying for a little while now, Von Wagner's size, he's got maybe uh, 75 pounds on uh, Tyler Bate, you know, so a little bit of weight on him. He gets uh, Tyler Bate, picks him up right up. I thought he was gonna throw Tyler Bate, but no, he just drops him, drops him on his face, a gorilla press drop. Now, here we go. Tyler Bate does turn things around. And he gets him with this uh, massive, uh, what you may call it, the tope slingshot. He uh, dives into the ropes, topes himself, or slingshots himself off by his shoulders. And he spins around and, why, he tries to give him Von Wagner a massive uh, clothesline. But here's the funny thing. Von Wagner is such a big guy. Uh, Tyler Bate, he's actually kind of small. He's actually a small guy. Because uh, Javier Benel, when they fought Javier versus uh, Tyler Bate, Javier looked big compared to, uh, actually, Javier made Dyer Bait look small. It was weird because Javier is not the biggest guy out there. So anyways, with that said, after that massive, uh, the, uh, what's that? The slingshot, Tyler Bait goes in for a clothesline. And when he hits um, Von Wagner, it's like uh, Tyler Bait just walked into a wall. It was hilarious. Tyler Bait just like, oh, he was stunned by how, how hard he hit the, <laughs> Von Wagner almost fell down, but Von Wagner, thank goodness, like uh, he was holding a little bebe. Von Wagner made sure um, Tyler Bate didn't fall down like a little bebe. Okay, so now the end sequence is this. Um, Tyler Bates goes, hits the ropes again for a finishing move. I'm not sure what his move would be hitting ropes for. So he hits the ropes and then it's Von Wagner, not Von Wagner, but the Mr. Stone grabs the leg of uh, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate, however, takes 
no exception to that, eh? What are you doing? I'm gonna get you for that. I'm gonna get you. Okay, that's not the accent he used, but uh, he goes outside and he throws Von Wagner into the ring. Now, alongside of uh, Tyler Bate is the Chase U army. A whole bunch of them. Um, Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, and that's right, Thea Hale. So when, I guess, uh, Mr. Stone, Robert Stone, was thrown into the ring, Thea Hale took it upon herself to give him the wahoo the hawalloping of a lifetime. So he goes and beats him up a little bit, and they, I guess, uh, they end up fighting outside the ring. I guess Thea Hale ends up uh, kicking him, so rolling him outside the ring. And it becomes this. It comes this. Tyler Bate and Von Wagner. Von decides, I guess, to toss over. Von looks like he's going to throw Tyler. Tyler does a massive tope suicida. And uh, why? It's, uh, I guess, the thing was, I think uh, uh, Von Wagner is supposed to have thrown Tyler Bates towards the ropes. Um, maybe it was supposed to be another uh, a springboard style move. Not a springboard, but a, uh, another slingshot style move. You know, where he uh, slingshots over his uh, shoulders, the tope slingshot. But apparently, um, Duke Hudson pulled the ropes down, and then it became a tope suicida, and he takes out Robert Stone out the back, out the out the other side, a pretty vicious one. He high fives, he high five. Good job! I could have really got hurt there, but it worked out fine. And in the ring, they finish the match off. Tyler Bate hits that uh, that uh, tope slingshot lariat onto Vaughn Wagner, goes to the top rope, and with his uh, spinning boy, the spinning boy, he says the twisting Santon. Hits Von Wagner. Von Wagner loses yet again. Yet again, Von Wagner loses. But who knows what's going to happen with Von Wagner? You know, Von Wagner's not a crowd favorite. You know, my personal fandom alone can't make him uh, a star that he should be. But anyways, walking away, the champion is uh, Tyler Bate. But however, it is a schism. A schism coming in there. They call themselves four roots in one tree. I call them four Groots in one tree because they're all <laughs> wooden <laughs> characters. <laughs> okay, yeah. So they're taking, they want to take over at uh, Stand and Deliver. There's a, a four and four match schism versus uh, Chase U. And if Ch schism wins, they run Chase U. They operate Chase U. And they're still calling it four Roots, one tree. If they run Chase U, would it be more than four Roots? Uh, wouldn't it be like many Roots, one tree? Oh my goodness. Schism. <laughs> so schismy. Okay, so next up, we go backstage. Now, this is a funny segment. It's a funny segment. Now, uh, not too long ago, Shawn Michaels stripped Roxanne Perez of her uh, world championship title. Now, I think it's a long game. It's I think Roxanne Perez is uh, because Roxanne won it in a situation where, you know what, uh, Mandy Rose was leaving the company and she's dropping the belt. So maybe it's not the win that Roxanne Perez was uh, really deserved to solidify her as a champion. So he was, she was stripped of the belt because her last match with Mako Satomura, she kayfabed the uh, unconsciousness and Shawn Michaels stripped her of the title. So in this segment, it's hilarious because apparently during the segment, it's uh, with uh, Roxanne Perez going to Shawn Michaels' office. Now, here's the thing with camera tricks, camera trickery, because clearly they both taped their parts separately and they edited them, edited them together. So Roxanne Perez, she's back. And apparently what happened was she was just exhausted, suffered from exhaustion and a mixture of exhaustion and uh, anxiety. Apparently that's the, what she said, the kayfabe thing. 
which took her to the hospital, and Shawn Michaels stripping of her title. So yeah, she wants her belt back, and she wants she's willing to com- uh, compete for it. You know, to, she wants to defend it at the uh, ladder match. Shawn Michaels like, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, he's one eye. Shawn Michaels one eye staring at uh, Roxanne. So you think? And one eye is constantly staring at his own nose. I can't believe that. <sighs> you know, for someone who can't see his own nose, definitely looks at his own nose awfully a lot. Anyways, Shawn Michaels reluctantly agrees. So yeah, this match is going to be ridiculous. Uh, but I guess when when Roxanne Perez rega- retains her women's championship gold, there is be no doubt in anybody's mind that Roxanne is truly the women's champion, you know, undisputed, with no asterisks beside the, the, the win. That's what I feel. That's how I feel, baby! Now in the ring there, we go to our next match. It is a Valentina Feroze versus uh, Electra Lopez. Now these two, uh, um, Valentina, quite a long uh, history, trying to tag a team up with uh, Ulisa Leon. I'm not sure what happened to Louis, uh, Ulisa. I don't even think she's part of the company anymore. But anyways, Ulisa, I thought she was the... Anyways, she's got, she was a taller one. But anyways, um, Valentina then went to Sanga. Sanga then dumped her. I want Veer in Jinnaba Hall now. So yeah, Sanga left. Valentina and then uh, Electra Lopez decided to uh, take Valentina under her wing and teach her how to win and cheat the Electra Lopez way so now they're they're enemies now they have a match against each other and this match was uh, two minutes you know these two are so green you know when you can't have a three minute match at least a three two minutes two minutes wow wow are, the, are any of these two ready for anything? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so because uh, they need somebody to carry this match and none of these two could. It was a, it was a match that happened. You know, uh, it was back and forth. Surprisingly back and forth. Such a short match. Uh, I've seen... Now, Bobby uh, Bobby Lashley has one of the worst spears in wrestling. He has called the... It's called the front bump spear, Bobby Lashley. One of the worst spears. That's right. I'm calling Bobby Lashley with the, one of the worst spears. But... This one here, um, uh, Valentina Feroze. Feroze. It's got the worst spear. She does the Bobby Lashley front bump spear. My goodness. My, my goodness. So terrible looking. So terrible looking. But here we go. The match does end eventually with uh, Valentina Feroze falling herself victim with the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the the sky high choke slam. The power bomb, the sky high power bomb, I should say. It's like a choke. It's like a sit down choke slam. And like I say, two minutes, it's over. Electro Lopez with a big victory, and uh, yeah. What are you gonna do? It happened. Wasn't impressive. Didn't showcase anything. And speaking of not showcasing a thing, we got ourselves um, Eddie Thorpe, Mister DJ, play that music. Eddie Thorpe versus. Um, now Eddie Thorpe's his debut match and surprisingly it's a Miles Bourne his debut match too wow who knew two newbies although one is a jobber and one is actually the newbie and the newbie is Eddie Thorpe now the problem with Eddie Thorpe I think is this it's, his wrestling is basic very basic um, and it's very low risk absolutely low risk and basic I don't see really much he's got to do I'm not sure There's, I don't see much in Eddie Thorpe 
Um, his big move, one of his big moves to finish off his thing is called the, uh, um, what's that? Uh, the side, the Seido suplex, the side suplex. Now this side suplex was so underwhelming. It uh, was was actually less impressive looking than a, an O'Connor roll. If you've ever seen an O'Connor roll, that's what the suplex looked like. It looked like an, a, um, an O'Connor roll, a roll up. It was bad. No height. It was it was too sad. Too sad. And that was not accurate. His finishing move is a neck breaker, a neck breaker. And he's standing. He's, he's starting up with a bent position. He's bent over, and then he just drops to his back. There's no up. There's no up. There's just down. It's very sad. Uh, yeah, he wins the match because of course he's winning. He's fighting against a local, a jobber. Eddie Thorpe. Does he show anything? No, not to me. Uh, he didn't do any talking. Um, I'm not sure who he is or where he's developed um, or how long he's been developing and where, I'm not sure, but uh, Eddie Thorpe, maybe DJing is his calling. And that's right, that's I went there. And Pretty Deadly comes out again and they're like talking up there, uh, talking about uh, stand and deliver. They want to stand in a river, talking about standing on a liver, but they're just propping up the whole you know, the big premium live event on Saturday. So now we go to uh, Gallus and uh, what's your very own uh, Mackenzie Mitchell. And they're talking about stand and deliver and they're pretty confident that no matter who they fight, they're going to win. Good for them. And then after that, we go to another match. This one here is a triple threat match. This is a last chance triple threat match for the ladder match at stand and deliver that's right and uh already in the ladder match was zoe stark um alpha alfie valkyrie valkyria gg dolan um tiffany stratton and roxanne perez so five people this would be the sixth person in the match and fighting for the last spot is future star future champion i would think I think the world of this woman, my God, she's got the look, she's got the skills, she's just green as all hell. But you know what? I think because of her personality, there's this year, next year, is the, the years of Sol Ruka. I think Sol Ruka will eventually be the woman, the face of the WWE in general. The face of WWE, not just NXT. I think her skills are uh, so... The potential is unlimited, I think. She looks great in the ring. She looks great. Her She looks... Okay. Enough of her sucking the Sol Ruka's ass. Uh, her, she's fighting. Ivy Nile and uh, Indy Hartwell. Now, Ivy Nile, she's the pit bull. She's a cardio queen. But I don't think she's she's cut out to be a wrestler. I really don't. You know? She's uh, good good intentions. She's got good intentions. But all wrestlers have good intentions. But everybody in general has good intentions. But Ivy Nile... Mm, and then come down to uh, Indy Hartwell. Indy, good intentions. Is she a great wrestler? I don't know. She's got a good look, but I don't know. I don't know. Compared to Sol Ruka, uh, they both look like... Hmm. Sol Ruka looks great in this match. Now, here's the thing. Sol Ruka, she is fearless. Absolutely 100% fearless. She gets everybody outside the ring. You know, Ivy Nile and Indy Hartwell. And she climbs up on the top rope and without a second thought with a massive moonsault. I think probably the greatest moonsault right now, as of now. Greatest moonsault. Uh, beating Tiffany Stratton, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Moonsaults the two of them. Now, in this match here, I really like what uh, Sol Ruka is doing now. Sol Ruka even getting hip-tossed by Indy, Hart- by Indy Hartwell. She does a somersault. She does a full flip, and she looks so graceful. She's so long, and when she does it, I mean, it could look real sloppy, you know? But, uh, but my goodness, yeah. I'm a big fan of Sol Ruka, I gotta say. I've gotta say. Now, one thing in a match that really, really was disturbing. I gotta say, it was, it was scary. It was very scary. It almost uh, flashbacks of Lita when she got injured with her uh, Hurricanrana. It's Ivy Nile going on the top rope. I couldn't, Ivy Nile's on top rope. My gosh, she never goes up there. And then, well, obviously she's uh, doing something onto Sol Ruka. She goes and attempts a Hurricanrana on Sol Ruka. Now, I'm not sure what happened, but it could have been much worse. I think this should be uh, Ivy Nile's last attempt at it. Because this attempt, she could have broken her damn neck. It looked so sloppy and bad. Wow. I mean, uh, I don't think it's Sol Ruka's fault. I think uh, Ivy Nile just does not know how to do it properly. And my goodness, it could have ended badly. But it did not. It came on to Sol Ruka again with one of her finishing moves. One of her, she does a springboard splash. And she gets such height on it. Her, uh, she gets top dead center. She is graceful as F. She is, oh my God. Big fan, big fan. Now the match goes on. Ivy now ends up getting, uh, what's that, uh, Indy Hartwell into the dragon suplex. And then out of nowhere, oh, it was so, such a thing of beauty. Now I'm kissing Sol Ruka's ass so hard here, but Sol Ruka runs past him, hits the corner, and then with her uh, massive uh, soul snatcher, she takes out Ivy now. It was beautiful. Ivy now with the dragon suplex, dragon sleeper on uh, Indy. And then the soul snatcher, the inverted neck breaker. God damn, it's beautiful. The inverted uh, inverted uh, front flip. It was, it, yeah. Very complex, very beautiful. Soul Ruka. Then she gets uh, knocked out of the ring by Indy Hartwell. And then Indy Hartwell with a very basic move. Uh, I guess a sliding forearm to the back of uh, Ivy Nile's head. Indy Hartwell with a big pin. In like four minutes and ten seconds. Going on to the um, massive six-woman ladder match for the uh, women's championship and it's good to see Roxanne Perez I think Roxanne Perez will retain there is Roxanne Perez versus Zoe Stark versus uh, Indy Hartwell versus um, Alfie Valkyria versus Gigi Dolan versus Tiffany Stratton that's true now next up we got ourselves a little bit of uh, Isla Dawn and Alba Fire and uh, their ceremony to become one is it their wedding ceremony? It is a wedding of sorts, like I say. They have now officially a tag team, baby. Tag team. Isla Dawn, damn, she is, uh, she is fire. Meaning she is very beautiful. She is a very beautiful. Okay, with that said, we go to our next match. It is, uh, I guess, match Wayne happened. Now, this is weird. It's Hank Walker versus Drew Gulak. Now, I couldn't understand what was going on with Booker T in his uh, in his mind. He was so angry at Hank Walker. They're talking about uh, he is a um, insubordinate student. Talking about he never paid his dues in wrestling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Don't you know? Uh, um, now, of course, if uh, he really wasn't 
a uh, security guard at all. It was just like uh, nonsense that, hey, we'll just bring him in a security guard. That's just kayfabe, him being a security guard. And uh, is Booker T saying it's true? Did Hank Walker just come from the uh, um, football field directly to the NXT stadium? It's like, yep, that's it. And my storyline is um, I was a security guard. They, uh, yep, a, a kayfabe security guard for NXT, you know, pretend security guard, but I really wasn't. Did uh, um, Hank Walker actually do any? Uh, teeth cutting did he actually set up the ring or anything like that according to booker t he did not he's uh he's shooting on uh hank walker but it is vic joseph going kayfabe saying that yeah no what are you talking about this guy worked his way from the bottom he used to scrub the toilets <laughs> he used to be a security guard worked his way up to uh entering competitor so what is the truth? Booker T telling the truth? Is he, uh, is he, uh, you know, calling it out? You know? But whatever. Anyways, the match, the match. It was uh, about five, almost six minutes. This was Drew Gulak. And of course, uh, Booker T was a big fan of Drew Gulak. Big fan of uh, Charlie Dempsey. Gave some props to Hank, but not a lot. He doesn't feel he deserves that uh, the tights he's wearing. It's so retarded before he's saying, you know what? When you have your first match, when you find out that you're turned pro, you're going to have your first match. The first thing he would do is get himself gear, wrestling gear. Now he says, oh, he's not worthy of wrestling gear. Uh, two sides of the mouth, I'd say. Maybe, like I say, perhaps Booker T's more fickle than I am. And I'm pretty damn fickle. I got to say, fickle is all hell. So we're, this match was... Uh, Drew Gulak, clearly, Hank Walker was a much larger competitor. So Drew Gulak was trusting on relying on his grappling skills. You know, getting the old step over toe hold. You know, the old cross face onto uh, um, Hank Walker. Now Hank, the bigger guy, gets out of these moves and uh, throws uh, Drew Gulak around. Picks him up for a body slam and throws him on his face. You know, it's interesting. It's a modified body slam. It's weird. He picks him up for a body slam and then throws him outwards. So he lands on his, uh, does a face bump, you know, bump on his face. Now, Hank Walker did try to run over Drew Gulak like a freight train, like a truck, but that didn't work. Drew Gulak ends up uh, getting uh, Hank Walker down. You know, the cross face again, trying to take him out. But here we go. The end sequence was this. Um, Hank Walker powers himself out of it and gets into a, gets Drew Gulak into an, um, I guess an arm lock. Gets, uh, you know, uh, gets an arm lock on uh, Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak slides to the ropes, gets himself to the ropes towards uh, his buddy, Charlie Dempsey, who's by ringside. The referee stands him up. Um, Hank Walker finds himself back to the ropes and the referee somehow head he's like uh shoulder tackling uh drew gulak so he's not looking at anything behind him which is thank goodness <laughs> a referee putting his hands all over drew gulak and that's where uh what's a charlie dempsey comes up there and uh gives uh, hank walker a big shot to the back of the head with a forearm the uh, elbow to the back of the head and then it is what's that uh backwoods that's right xavier woods finishing move that's right taking it in the rear is hank walker and we say taken in the rear, it's a, uh, you know, re you know rear woods. Uh, Xavier Woods, the finishing move, it's the, uh, what's that? Um, uh, the inside cradle. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just like that, it was over. It was over in five, it's just under six minutes. So it was a lot of fun. But however, we move on backstage. Now, this is before the main tag team match of uh, D'Angelo Family, Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stax Lorenzo fight them denim boys of Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs that the match that Fallon Henley, or should I say, Kiana James put together. Now, this, uh, this is situation happened after them denim boys left. Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs left the locker room. It's Fallon Henley says, you better talk to Brooks about, I would assume, Sebastian. And she said, I will, but after the match. Something like that. Don't, it's a, they're going to decide to talk about the match. So yeah, we got to go to the match now. And it was the match of the night. This is uh, NXT proving to the entire WWE and entire wrestling world how a tag team match really should be done. Really should be done. You know, even though the ref really doesn't mind if you do not use the tag ropes, you know, but they still have the cleanest tag matches of all of wrestling. All of wrestling. Now, this was a lot of fun, a lot of back and forth. We got a moment here where uh, the uh, D'Angelo family, Tony D'Angelo, and the, uh, what's that, uh, Channing Stax Lorenzo, you know, the underboss. You know, they get the old, uh, what's that, they call it the, uh, the electric, the, the double electric chair drop. That's right. No, no, that no, wasn't double electric chair drop. It was the, uh, what's that, um, the Doomsday Device. That's right. <laughs> it's uh, Channing Soranzo and uh, Tony Dranzo with the Doomsday Device. It was pretty impressive. That's right. But here's the thing. I got ahead of myself there. Now, in the end, we got ourselves, uh, what, Drew Gulak, or should I say, uh, Brooks Jensen, Josh Briggs getting uh, Channing Stax Lorenzo up. Actually, uh, it's uh, Josh Briggs getting Channing Stax Lorenzo on an electric chair on his head, on his shoulders. And then it's uh, Brooks Jensen with a massive, uh, what's that, uh, Inziguri, right off the head. It was pretty cool, pretty good, pretty big move. But however, however, before they can get a pin, it's, uh, that's right, Tony D'Angelo breaking it up, throwing Josh Briggs onto the big pile. Josh Briggs and, uh, what's that, Tony D'Angelo scrap it out a little bit. Josh Briggs ends up, uh, I guess, trying to super kick uh, Tony D'Angelo and then uh, crotching himself on a ropes. Ouchie! And then Tony D'Angelo punches him off the ropes outside to the outside the ring. And that's right. That's it for uh, Josh Briggs. Crotched and punched outside the ring, baby. And then inside the ring, it becomes a two-on-one. It's uh, Channing, Stax, Norenzo, the underboss, and Tony D'Angelo pick up Brooks Jensen. And like I say, this is the electric chair drop. The double, the double electric chair drop. Now, this move was originally done, I believe, by Damage Control. Eosky and Dakota Kai, you know, doing to, to uh, Candice LeRae, almost uh, destroying her spinal uh, cord. But this one here, yeah, that's right. It is uh, the D'Angelo family stealing a move directly from the Damage Control playbook. Mm -hmm. And with that winning the match, and therefore Brooks Jensen, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs will not be joining the Tag Team Triple Threat match. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. At the stand and deliver. So they're just going to stand on a liver. <laughs> the drinks. Okay, that was lame. Anyways. Um, Tony Daniel gets a big pin on Brooks Jensen. But after the match, 
we got ourselves a little bit of thing because Fallon Henley wants Kiana James to come clean with uh, whatever whatever Sebastian, I guess, situation is to uh, Brooks Jensen. And then uh, Fallon Henley, or should I say, Kiana James had something to say. Actually, not much to say. She wanted to show Brooks Jensen something. And she did. She gave him big old smoochy smooch on the face. A smoochy smooch. So there we go. Could this be the divide? Could uh, Brooks Jensen and Kiana James pair off and do something on their own. Mr. Boots himself. I call him actually uh, Boots Jensen because his big floppity boots, you know. Him and uh, Brooks Jensen and uh, Rey Mysterio are in a floppity boots convention, you know, and they saw these, hey, those floppity boots are great. Anyways, enough with the floppity boots and this. That does end it with the, uh, the match. But however, we got ourselves a contract signing that's right. It's the Grayson Wallers has to sign the uh, uh, the non-sanctioned match against Johnny Gargano at uh, what's that? Stand on my liver or stand in the river, stand and deliver. And Grayson Waller, of course, he's got some uh, security all standing around the ring. You know, the uh, new uh, new trainees of the WWE, I guess, uh, rookies, you can say. So they're all standing there, looking towards the crowd, standing on the ring apron itself. And I guess Grayson Waller is hyping up the stand and deliver match. I don't think he ever signed it, the contract. So here we go. This is where the hall hijinks take place. The music hits. That's right. Johnny Carcano pops out, but he doesn't. The music's playing. Um, I guess uh, Grayson Waller gets a sh- throws off his shirt. It's ready for a fight. And the security guards just standing there like, Ooh, like they're mannequins, Ooh, standing out, staring out in the crowd. And then popping in the ring is a cameraman. But is it really a cameraman? No, it's the old cameraman trope again. That's right. Everybody's done it. Uh, putting down a camera, it's uh, Johnny Gargano. And this becomes uh, a preview of what's to come at Stand and Deliver. Johnny Gargano and um, Grayson Waller start fighting and a Security's like, what's going on? I hear some noise, but uh, whatever. Eventually, they come in and try to fight, to stop the fight. But yeah, the people saying, let them fight, let them fight. But they, uh, you know, they fight to the back. So they fight uh, till the, they shut the lights off. That's true. So we end with uh, Grayson Waller, Johnny Gargano, Papa G fighting at the end of the match. Now, what's that? Uh, Stand and Deliver will be on Saturday. We may or may not cover that in a special bonus episode of The Wrestling Show. But regardless if we do or not, that does wrap it up for another episode of the NXT for this week. Um, but a fear not, listener. A stay tuned for our coverage of SmackDown right after this short break. Lewis Uling. Show, baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, California. It's Friday night. SmackDown, air date March 31st, 2022. 
2023. This episode is the night before WrestleMania. Let's go. Wellbo. Wellbo. Welcome back, listener. I'm your most fickle host, the Paisleywood, and this is a wrestling show's very cynical review slash a look back at the latest episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we get started, a quick shout out to the non-competitors, as usual. They're the glue that holds the building together, now representing the authority figure, usually it's Adam Pierce. And next, um, getting all the pre-match interviews and backstage scoops, usually are Caleb Braxton and Mega Morant, but none of them are there today. And last, <clears throat> and certainly not least, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of, oh, my personal favorite, Mr. Silky Voice himself and, and future Hall of Famer for sure, Wade Barrett. And backing him up is the uh, guy has been there for well over 20 years, Michael Cole. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. <clears throat> and now this show here. It's all about the build-up for tomorrow. And also, um, I'm not even sure what's the difference between Friday Night Smackdown and uh, Monday Night Raw, other than the name and the, the date and the, you know, of the shows. They're just two different uh, days. Um, the show themselves, they're pretty much the same brand. It is the same brand, but it, it is just WWE action. There is no such thing as the difference in separation of brands, Raw and Smackdown. There's no, sep- there's no separation anymore. So it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know why they have a, have a Raw and SmackDown anymore. It should be just, it should be called WWE Monday and WWE Friday. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Because, I say that because a wrestler's just jumping from brand to brand. It's, it's just ridiculous these days. So while I'm saying that, it's this uh, Raw and SmackDown. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens from each brand. Now they're a tag team together now. And they're going to be taking on the Usos at uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. So we have the bloodline coming in there. Uh, Jimmy and Jay Uso talking about, uh, well, before they can talk about anything, uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens comes down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this all comes down to uh, who's the better tag team. I mean, uh, the Usos talk about their... Uh, all well, their uh, family, so they're uh, they're a better tag team like that. I don't know. I don't even understand that at all. But it comes down to loyalty over family. What's what's more important, I suppose? And uh, you know, loyal. If you have if you're loyal to someone, it's better than family, I suppose. Like is uh, blood thicker than water? Of course it is. But only um, literally. Only literally. Figure. Uh, but what does that even mean? But here we go. Yeah, um, so the big question going on today, brought to you by Cody Rhodes last week, it's the fact that uh, if there are no tag team titles within the bloodline, would they still be the bloodline? I think so, yeah. Because uh, Roman Reigns had the, uh, um, well, he had the the world championships together, Raw and SmackDown, and uh, when he, the, the bloodline started well before the Usos had the belts. So yeah, if Usos lose the belts, they'd be still called the Bloodline. You know, because they did before. They started before they had the belts. 
So why not after they lose the belts? If they lose the belts to the slapped together team of uh, Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens. But Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn has been longtime friends for a long time. Probably as long as, uh, I don't know, uh, Michael Cole has been uh, commentating for over 25 years. It's been a long time, listener. Long, long time. Long, long time. So yeah, we're going to see at uh, WrestleMania. Will Usos, if they if the Usos lose their tag team belts, will the bloodline stay together? Usos think uh, they're not going to lose at all. So how about that? How about that? So now, speaking of uh, WrestleMania, here's another, uh, I guess, warm-up match for WrestleMania. Now it was uh, on Monday, it was a tag team match, a tag team turmoil match with uh, these four um, teams. At WrestleMania, these four teams will be fighting against each other. Right now, they're fighting against each other, but it is a singles man division. Now, representing the Street Profits is Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins as a side. Representing the Alpha Academy is Chad Gable with Otis by his side. Representing the Viking Raiders, it's Eric with iFire by his side. And then uh, it is uh, the big, bald and bearded uh, Ricochet with Braun Strowman by his side representing. Okay, so what happened to this match? Well, this match was just straight up fun. It's a lot of fun. This whole day was a lot of fun. Um, was it... Uh, Nothing, there was nothing really on the line. It's just a warm-up. I mean, WrestleMania is tomorrow. The next day of uh, the recorded uh, recorded SmackDown. So, yeah. It's all just, you know, nonsense, I suppose. It, was, it got to a point where we had a dance-off. That's right. Uh, Montez Ford started doing his dance moves. Hey, look at me. I'm dancing. And Ricochet was going to dance. And then it's Chad Gable gets in the ring there. And he starts dancing, too. Dancing too, and then Ricochet starts dancing. Yeah, it was it was it was that type of day. It was a very fun. It was an entertaining time in the ring. Now we all had their moments. Chad Gable had his moment. His uh, um, wheelbarrow uh, German um, suplex. We got ourselves uh, Ivar, or should I say Eric? in the match here and he has this move there he has this he gets down uh, Montez Ford and he throws down uh, Chad Gabla on top of Montez Ford mm-hmm. like a Uranagi's on him the Uranagi Montez Ford had his moment now the end sequence was this uh, everybody's outside all three the, all three competitors found themselves outside Montez Ford with his tope suicida over the top rope squashing all three they go back in the ring there uh, Montez Ford ends up giving a big froggy splashy to Chad Gabla, who's in the ring. Now, after the big frog splash, which is very strange, he bounces off of Chad Gable. Now, usually what happens in this world of wrestling, if you do a big move like a frog splash, whatnot, and you hit your opponent, you're fine. You're fine and dandy. It's like nothing happened to you. But if your opponent moves, oh, it's like a horrible offensive of blunder. You know, and you're injured. So this is what's weird. Montez Ford goes off top with a massive frog splash. Hits Chad Gable. He bounces off and he's like, oh, my stummy, my tummy tum. He's like, almost he's like clutching the ropes. And then while he's doing that, that's right. It is Ricochet. Oh, wait for the Ricochet. With the swanton of his own. Off the ropes and he crushes Chad Gabler. Like a tabla. 
and gets a pin now. But when he, while he's got the pin, I guess Montez Ford like, no! When he tries to break up the pin and he's too late. He's too late. It's Ricochet gets a big victory in an 11 minutes. An 11 minute match. It's over. That's right. Ricochet, big win. And what does it mean? Nothing really. Nothing at all. So moving on. We go backstage now with the, the bloodline, the entire bloodline, the entirety of the bloodline. I guess they're contemplating about uh, the inevitable, what's going to happen at the end of the show, where uh, Roman Reigns uh, appears. Because they have this, uh, I guess, a big segment at the end is going to be the roads to uh, WrestleMania. When I say roads, I mean R-H-O-D-E-S. That means, you know, Cody Rhodes. He's going to take up a lot of time at the end of the show. A little bit too much that could have been allocated to some matches, but was not. So now, next up, we got ourselves a giant uh, time killer, a time killer for the WWE. This is not just a great time killer, but also lets them showcase a lot of wrestlers that they haven't been showcasing at all. Oh, by the way, there's some people here you haven't seen at all fight. You know, they're like, uh, they're still around. They haven't retired. We haven't fired them, but they're still around. And here they are. Now, who's fighting? In this, um, what's it, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Well, we have, it's a 32 man. We got ourselves uh, a Joaquin Wilde, Cruz del Toro, Massé, Mansoure, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, that's right, the Good, good Brothers. <laughs> Haven't seen them in months. You know, uh, Shelton Benjamin, you know, Cedric Alexander. Those two are still around. Those two are still around. Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo. Yeah. Yeah, they're being used here too, listener. Uh, then we cut ourselves. <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, hit Row. Hit Row. It's uh, Ashante, Leodonis, and uh, Top Dalla. Mm -hmm. They're in there too. With Santos Escobar in here. Dexter Loomis, Butch, and Ridge Holland. That's right, Butch and Rich Holland, they're actually doing something again. Dolph Ziggler, Mustafa Ali, future tag team. Um, right now, I guess they're just uh, fillers for the uh, Andre Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Then we got Rick Boogs and Elias. What's going on? Two mu musicians. Rick Boogs, uh, really, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Then we got Johnny Gargano, Xavier Woods, LA Knight, Karrion Cross. Sad Corbin, Bronson Reed, Madcap, Moss, Ivar, Otis, Bobby Lashley, Angelo Dawkins, Braun Strowman, and Cedric Alexander. Now, rolling on to this match, we got ourselves, uh, usually, um, it's uh, Rick Boogs and Elias, you know, talking about uh, being in this memorial battle royal, and usually the people who's walking in their way is like, we're going to be in there too. Watch out for us. Which are the biggest guys here? Which was uh, Bronson Reed, uh, Bobby Lashley, and uh, Braun Strowman. You know, all there like, hey, you know what? Look out for us, sucker. So what happened in this match here? Well, here we go. We'll go through a little bit here. Now, the match. Who got kicked out for? Now, last year we had her. Was he was on top of his game? It was uh, Happy Corbin 
winning the Andre Giant Battle Royal last year. Now, this this what shows that the, how little the Andre Giant Battle Royal means. Um, it just it just means nothing. It means nothing. Who wins it? And uh, what are the uh, benefits of winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? Nothing. Other than uh, saying, yeah, I won it. It doesn't lead to anything. I even asked Corbin. So, happy Corbin then. Sad Corbin now. Or she's, you know. And it's happy Corbin. Sad Corbin. Tossed off first by Rick Boogs. Now, this is what I have here. There's a few things that are out of order. But anyways, you got yourselves. Uh, Sad Corbin out first. Top Dollar out second by Bobby Lashley. Ashante the Adonis up by Bobby Lashley again. Joaquin Wilde tossed up by Braun Strowman. Ivar tossed up by Mace. Um, Angel Dawkins also tossed out by Mace. Can you believe it? Macy, I should say Macy, tossed out two people. I couldn't believe it. Then Macy tossed out by Dexter Holumas. Mansore tossed up by Johnny G, Johnny Gargano. Then we got ourselves uh, the good brothers. Carl Anderson tossed out. And then Luke Gallows tossed out both by Otis. That's right, Otis uh, bulldozing people out there. And then Otis himself. He flies out by Rick Boogs. Then Elias is tossed out by Elias and Humberto. Actually, Elias was on the other side of the ropes. And it was just uh, Angel and uh, Humberto bopping him off. Mm -hmm. And then Angel gets all upset. Uh, Rick Boogs gets all upset. No, my friend! And he takes out Angel Garza and Humberto. That was hilarious. He picks up Humberto and, and spins him around. And Angel Garza gets uh, knocked over the top rope. It was so ridiculous. And Humberto just thrown out. Now we got ourselves a couple of uh, eliminations in uh, 15 to 19. In no particular order. It was uh, Cruz Del Toro, Shelton Benjamin, Rick Boogs, Cedric Alexander, and Karrion Cross. And after that, we got ourselves a, a big ending. We got ourselves a Dexter Loomis then takes out Matt Capmoss. Xavier Woods was eliminated by Karrion Cross. Mustafa Ali by LA Knight. Matt Capmoss by Bronson Reed. Dolph Ziggler eliminated by Bobby Lashley. Johnny G, Johnny Gargano, Bobby Lashley gets rid of him too. And then Santos Escobar eliminated at 23 by Bronson or Braun Strowman. 24 is Ridge Holland by Bronson Reed, and Bronson gets rid of both. Um, you know, uh, them uh, brawling brutes, because he gets rid of Butch next. But for this funny thing too, because uh, Ridge Holland was knocked out first, and then uh, Butch was knocked out, but Ridge caught him. Oh, thank goodness! And Ridge popped him back in the ring there, and thank goodness for that, because three seconds later, uh, Butch was tossed out again by Bronson Reed. And next, we got ourselves at 29. L.A. Knight, we got our last four, was L.A. Knight, Braun Strowman, Bronson Reed, and, that's right, the Destroyer, Bobby Lashley. So we got ourselves uh, 29, L.A. Knight gets logged out first. Braun Strowman is out next. They were both taken out by Bronson Reed. And then it is uh, Bronson Reed, then taken out by Bobby Lashley. Because at first we looked, it was a good uh, little bit. They had a tussle out there. Uh, Bronson Reed looked like he was going to toss out a little bit of a Bobby Lashley. He, he, well, this is the hilarious little trope there. Bronson Reed throws him. He sees Bobby Lashley going over the top rope. Without any, without batting an eye, Bronson Reed turns around going, oh, grabbing his stomach like my belly. Oh, but Bobby Lashley did not fall out all the way out. 
He lands on the apron and crawls back in there and throws out a, a Bronson Reed. And he's the winner. And what does that mean? Bobby Lashley wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And what's going to happen then? Who knows? Will he be now called the uh, Happy Lashley? Mm-hmm. Look for Happy Lashley as is Bobby Lashley's new gimmick in stores near you. Okay, that was a lot of fun. It was about 15 minutes. 15 minutes. That's right. I was shocked. I was kind of shocked. But what's more shocking, listener? What's more shocking is the next match. Now, this next match is obviously a warm-up to uh, SummerSlam. No, I should say, um, not SummerSlam. It is uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. <laughs> Both big events, nevertheless. But this one here, we got ourselves uh, at WrestleMania. This will be a, a four-way, a fatal four-way tag team match between Raquel and Liv, Natalia and Shotzi, Shayna and Ronda Rousey, and Sony Deville and Chelsea Green. But this match is a fatal four-way. So each one of those teams is giving up one person to fight, just like the first match. Mm-hmm. Four, fatal four-way. Now this one here is Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia Bret Hart versus Shayna Baszler versus Sonya Deville. Now this match was a pile of nonsense. It was a lot of fun. I'm not sure what's going on with this match, but it was like three minutes. Just three minutes. That's right. Our first one was uh, 11 minutes. Around 11 minutes, the men's was 11 minutes. This they couldn't bust muster more than three minutes. It was ridiculous. It was over-rehearsed. We got ourselves... It was basically the Raquel Rodriguez show. Showing her strength by picking up uh, Natalia Bret Hart and Chena Baszler on her shoulders. Like, look at me, I can march them around. But she did nothing. She was knocked in. She was kicked in the uh, thigh by uh, Sonya Deville. Now, the one thing I... That one positive thing I can say about this match is uh, Sonya Deville. Her ring gear, she always looks fantastic in that ring. Is her body figure? Is she, the fact that she has a great looking body? Is it the fact that she has a great tailor? I don't know, but always looking like the like look the, looking the best, always looking the, her best is Sonya Deville. And other than Sonya looking great with her ring gear, that's basically all that uh, was looked in this match. Because we got at the end, because after that uh, little uh, breakup by Sonya, it's Raquel and Sonya going at it a little bit, and Raquel ends up picking up Sonya Deville for the uh, Tahana Bomb. And she's picking her up there, and then Shayna Baszler jumps in the ring there, and she gets flattened by a, uh, I guess, a pump kick. She gets flattened by a pump kick while holding, I mean, uh, Raquel's holding, you know, um, Sonya while pump kicking Shayna out of her boots. It was ridiculous. And then Tahana Bomb. One, two, three later. Like I say, three minutes. Raquel Rodriguez wins it for her team. And what does that mean? Who knows? Not much at all. Doesn't mean anything. It's just a filler. It's three-minute filler. A commercial break is roughly three and a half minutes. So this was shorter than your average commercial break. It was depressing. Because, you know what? I think it's because of Cody Rhodes. They gave Cody Rhodes so much time at the end of the show. They could have stretched this out at least ten minutes. At least! It could have been fun. Or maybe they got too much on their mind with their big match coming up, so they can't be distracted by a long match. Okay, regardless. Regardless of that, we have some special news, listener. Special news. We got Legato del Fantasma. 
Santos Escobar, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wilde, and Zelina Vega. They're called, currently they're, they're curled, Oligado Fantasma, Del Fantasma. You know, but as for now, they're now dead. There is no longer, El Legado is now no more. Because apparently they've, they've started an alliance with Rey Mysterio. And uh, now, obviously, Legado, uh, Santos Gaspar and the boys, uh, Joaquim and uh, Cruz del Toro and uh, Zelina Vega, they don't care if uh, Rey Mysterio is a deadbeat dad. They just know he's a legend when it comes to Lucha Libre. So they start something, or should they say they reform, restart something, a Eddie Guerrero thing, which is the LWO, the Latino World Order. That's right, listener. It's happening. Yeah, so uh, LWO, it, it's back. It's back in an WWE, and in a WWE. So what's going to happen? Will Angel Garza or Angel and Humberto join this group? This band of merry men become a massive team and uh, try to take over the world? I don't know. I, who knows? Who knows? But it would be interesting to see what's going to happen with the the big picture of uh, the LWO. Maybe the Lucha House Party can ban- come back. That's right. You know. Um, okay, so next match. And this is our next match, is our main event match. And this is a, uh, I think this is more more of a storytelling match between uh, who's fighting rather than the match itself. This is a tag team match. It is the Banging Bros. That's right, the Banging Bros of uh, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Now they're Banging Bros for today because Drew and Sheamus, they're the best of friendemies that's right, the friends. When they're friends, they're the banging bros. When they're enemies, they're fighting for the same gold. Gold! So yeah, WrestleMania, they'll, they're going to be a match against each other. A triple threat match against uh, Gunther. For the, uh, what's that? Uh, Intercontinental Championship gold. That's right, they're fighting for Intercontinental gold. But this match here, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, can they get along to fight? Why, Imperium's Drew Gun- uh, Gunther's uh, Merry Men of Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Well, this match will show one thing for sure. The fact that, uh, why, uh, Imperium, uh, two things. Imperium, when it comes to tag team matches, Imperium, they are very professional. They're the top, they're the top tag teams, period. They know how to tag team, they know how to make the rules, they know the rules, and they use them properly. They're the cleanest tag teams out there, Without a doubt, the cleanest tag team out there. And when it comes down to tag team with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, they don't know what tag team matches. They, all they know is that um, there uh, two people are fighting, and uh, hopefully one person at a time in a ring. That's basically it. The tag rope, they don't care. Tag rope, it's nonsense, and referee doesn't care. Like I say, all tag matches, even though they suggest you should hold the rope when you tag, referee simply does not care if you use the ropes or not because this match was a huge example. We got ourselves Drew McIntyre's in the ring, you know, and then Sheamus, right in the center ring, Sheamus straight up slaps him in the back. It's a slap in the back because there's no tag rope there. But the referee's like, oh, I heard a slap. That must be a tag. Oh, you dummy referee, you dumb referee. They should just say no tag. If the referee really did, if not count the tags that uh, were made, that ropes were not being held, um, why, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre didn't make a single tag in this match. 
Now, of course, this match here, Gunther is watching backstage, or so you might think he's watching backstage. Hell, he might be already in uh, Las Vegas, you know? Or in Las Vegas, um, getting ready for WrestleMania. This could be uh, pre-recorded a long time ago. So anyways, we got another section here where Sheamus is uh, backed up into his corner. And even though this is the moment where Drew McIntyre could have easily made a legal tag, he uses his tag hand, the one his hand that would usually grab the tag rope, to tag himself and to slap Sheamus in the back. And the referee's like, Doi, I think there's a tag. He slapped him in the back. Tag made! I'm an idiot! That's right, the referee is truly a buffoon. I would really, I really, really like to see the referee say, call the no tag. So here after that, Sheamus is like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? They get all argument. So yeah, that's the thing. Sheamus thinks it come. You know, they go back and forth again. Uh, Sheamus gets tagged out. Drew McIntyre does again. He slaps uh, Sheamus in the shoulder. And the referee, hey, that's a tag. <laughs> that's a tag. And, you know, Drew McIntyre comes in and destroys Imperium for a little bit. Now he finds himself outside the ring and Sheamus is in the last section of the ring. Uh, Drew McIntyre finds himself out, tags out to the ring by, with Sheamus. Sheamus is in the ring there for a bit, uh, last segment. And uh, the referee is like uh, making sure that uh, Drew McIntyre is okay. And then behind him, it's the two-on-one. It's Giovanni Vinci, the high, and uh, Glyphic Kaiser, the low, the high-low on Sheamus. Oh, big cheat. But can they get away with it? No, apparently not. It's just where this whole thing, where the whole match falls apart. And just like my announcing this match, um, it falls apart just like that. Now, Giovanni goes for the pin after that. Sheamus kicks out of the match. They scuff a little bit. A little bit. Sheamus hits Giovanni with a flying knee. And then that was it, pretty much. Sheamus walks around like, oh, it's brogue time! Brogue! 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 Almost like two minutes of uh, setting up his brogue. It was so silly. Then he hits uh, Giovanni Vinci with the brogue. And then he's, before he can go for a pin, it's uh, Ludwig Kaiser like, not yet, don't finish the match yet. And he goes in the ring there and he gets uh, Claymore in the face by Drew McIntyre. It was a lot of fun. It was a bunch of nonsense. This match, the last match, I couldn't believe it. So yep, it happened. It happened. Sheamus gets a big pin on uh, Giovanni Vinci. And it, yeah, what can you say? But uh, yeah, yep, it was a SmackDown. I should say it's Friday Night Raw. Friday Night Friday Night WWE. Because uh, really, like I say, is there any difference between Raw and SmackDown these days? And I say no. I say no. So after that, finally, we go to the, uh, what's that? Uh, the Crossroads. Or not Crossroads. All roads lead to lead WrestleMania. And that's uh, Cody Rhodes' journey to WrestleMania. And it's funny too, because Cody Rhodes, his bad-mouthing is like... It's, imp it's it's weird. Okay, now Cody Rhodes talked about uh, Roman Reigns being the golden child of the WWE. Well, there was a lot of golden childs of WWE. Drew McIntyre was a golden child too, and nothing happened really of him. He's still around, but uh, nothing huge. So, okay. Now, it took Roman Reigns eight years to become the wrestling god he is today. Now, Roman Reigns is considered the greatest champion of all times, even though he is uh, never really there. Never really there. But it says, it took you eight years to get where you are today. Well, I'm sorry. Roman Reigns is uh, considered the greatest to ever do the thing that he does. Well, what about you, Cody Rhodes? You did that for like, who knows, God knows how long. You left as being, what's that, uh, the stardust? 
A buffoon with makeup with the stars printed on his dumb face? I want to be a star. <laughs> I get it. If I can't be a star, I'll literally be a star. You dummy. So he leaves and starts his own company and couldn't do anything because what? You're going to give yourself a belt? I'm the owner. I can be a belt champion now, right? It doesn't work that way, buddy. So now he's back and he thinks his, uh, his finishing his story becomes world champion. And the first Rhodes ever become a world champion. And that's where Roman Reigns comes down there. The end of a face-to-face. And what, what's going to happen? Will Roman Reigns retain the title at WrestleMania? I mean, uh, they've been building this up for years with Cody Rhodes. Will Cody Rhodes become the world champion? Does he deserve to be world champion? Does Roman Reigns deserve to be the world champion? Who deserves to be the world champion? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. I don't think so. Anyways, that does wrap it up for another week of SmackDown. And also concludes this very episode of the podcast. Now, if you have stuck around to the very end, no, I hold a very special place in my heart just for you. But uh, join us next week, listener, for an all new episode of The Wrestling Show. Now, we might have a uh, bonus episode of uh, what's that, Stand on My Liver or Stand and Deliver in uh, WrestleMania, but who knows? Who knows what will happen to that? But regardless, Um, We'll see you next week with a brand new episode, regardless of uh, if the bonus episode comes out or not. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of The Wrestling Show. So always remember, listener, you matter. Lewis Suling Show, baby.